We gotta out-block them, we gotta out-tackle them, we gotta out-hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out-block them, you out-tackle them, you out-hit them, and you out-hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Welcome in. It is bowl season. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman, joined as always by Scott Seidenberg. And we are going to make a run through the bowl games coming up this week. Uh, We've got 11, I think, between now and next Tuesday when we'll record another one for the next pile of bowls. But this is enough to get you started. And that's that's all you can ask for, really. Bowl season, baby. Yeah. We're so, going bowling. A little different format. I mean, throughout the year, we did the uh, – I gave my four favorite plays on the board. Scott gave his four, uh, and those were for that contest. And in, cha- in championship week, we basically went through every game, gave some notes, and at the end decided on a best bet. And that's what we're going to do here with this first week of bowl season. So let's jump in and let's – Kick off with the Bahamas Bowl. UAB 11-point favorites against Miami of Ohio. And these are two teams that were supposed to be a lot better than they ended up being this season. Like UAB's in a, UAB's in a weird spot because they technically, and this will be a theme throughout the show, I hate, you know, throughout bowl season, I hate teams with interim coaches during bowl season. It's 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 a lot. It's it, We're going to, throughout this podcast, when we talk about these bowl games, we'll mention the coaching situations. We'll also mention the opt-outs sure. as well. There's The good thing is, we don't have any opt-outs in no, this game. No, no. It, but what we do have, and this is weird, because I, I don't know if UAB's technically got an interim coach, because Brian Vincent, you know, Bill Clark retires right before the season. Brian mm-hmm. Vincent, the OC, takes over as the, quote, interim coach, was to coach the entire season and is the coach for this game. But what we do know is he won't be the coach next year. That will be Trent Dilfer. Hey, good for Trent Dilfer. So it's a, it's a weird situation. I don't know if this counts as an interim situation uh, like it would if someone had gotten fired. But like you said, there's no key opt-outs for, for UAB. For Miami, the big loss is Brett Gabbert to the portal. But – the truth is, he missed most of the season with injury anyway. That's why I don't count him. And Avion Smith has been solid enough at quarterback for them. But as far as the actual matchup, these are two teams who are going to have success running the football. UAB defense took a massive step back this year. They were so good a year ago and just okay this year. Miami, a ball control offense, which makes them tough to blow out. And the exceptions have been teams with high-powered passing attacks. Kentucky, Cincinnati, Ohio, those teams all threw for over 300 yards against Miami, all had double-digit victories. Mm-hmm. The other three losses came by a combined 14 points. UAB, how do they score? Well, they've got the nation's leading rusher. His name is Dwayne McBride. Yes, sir. Ran for 1,713 yards this year, despite not playing in the opening game of the season. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know if he had exactly zero yards against LSU, but it kind of felt like it was close to zero. <laughs> But he's going to be a problem for Miami, though they lead the MAC in run defense. I, I think UAB is going to have some success on offense, but I think it's a game that's mostly going to be about controlling the clock. I think it's hard for UAB to really separate themselves in this one. So my, my looks in this game will be the under and Miami plus eleven. Yeah. So my lean in this game is Miami, and it's just because of the, it's it's too high of a spread for 
the game script that I feel is going to happen. Like, I think that UAB, obviously, they, their strength is McBride. They're going to want to run the football. They're going to control the, the clock. Same thing with Miami. And I'm not talking about Miami necessarily running the ball, but I'm talking about controlling possession. Miami does not turn the football over. They've thrown just one interception in their last six games. So they're going to have sustained drives. So if you're telling me that both of these teams are going to have long drives, I don't see a situation where UAB pulls away from Miami. I think this is, I, I you, you like the under, that would be a lean for me as well. I think 11, I think UAB wins the game. I just don't know if they can cover 11 with the way that I feel like this game is going to play out. Now, UAB does have trouble stopping the run, though. So if Miami wants to go to the ground, UAB's got the 94th run defense in the nation. So that could be a formula for success as well. If both teams run the football, oh boy, this this game is going under and it will be closer than 11 points. All right, sounds like we agree in general on how this game is going to, it's how it's going to look. Uh, it should be a, a decent game to kick things off, I guess. And it's funny, you say there's not a lot of opt-outs. I wonder how much playing in the Bahamas has to do with not having many opt-outs. You know what I got to look at too is the, um, the swag, the swag bags. Yeah. For each game, like I need to know what these players are getting yeah. this year. All right, let's let's go to the Cure Bowl. Besides a trip to the Bahamas, yeah, trip to the Bahamas <laughs> trumps pretty much anything. But the Cure Bowl, Troy, one to two point favorites against UTSA, total around fifty six. I have a feeling you and I are going to be on different sides of this one. You, we these are two of our uh, two of our darlings here. I've been a Troy guy all season long. Uh, I, I, if I'm right, I'll go ahead and defend my case first. I think you've got to give some respect to what Troy's offense has done in the late part of the season. They put up over 42 points per game in their last three, and if they can come close to those type of numbers, this game's over because their defense is good enough to lock them into a win. UTSA's defense looked good late in the season until you dig into those box scores a little bit and you see that down the stretch they faced a lot of second, third, and fourth-string quarterbacks. So, yeah, your defense that was a problem early in the season, it will look a lot better when you're playing fourth-string quarterbacks. This is the best defense Frank Harris has seen all season besides the game against Texas. So as good as he's looked the last three games, I think this is a wake-up call for UTSA. Uh, the Roadrunners had a similar opponent in the bowl game last year, a, a San Diego State team that was elite defensively. Questions on offense. UTSA lost that game 38-24, to and this is the first bowl game for Troy since 2018, and I think the first-year head coach is going to be fired up for this opportunity. Assuming there's going to be a slight crowd edge in Orlando, I like Troy. I like over in this game. Present your side. Okay, well, first let's acknowledge that this is the only bowl game between conference champions. Yeah. So let that sink in. Yep. Of all the bowl games we have, of all the conference champions we have, this is the only game that will match up two conference champions. So congratulations to both of these teams, now ranked in the top 25 at 24 and 25, respectively. I, I, I really like this UTSA team, and it's because of one player and one player only. It's Frank Harris. This dude is a game changer, and He's so dangerous running the football, it leads to the success for the entire team running the football. 
UTSA, they're called the Roadrunners for a reason. They've ran for over 200 yards in five of their last six games. They can score the football. I know that Gunnar Watson can throw the ball down the field. I don't know if that's the game plan for Troy. And I think I got – I do have a concern, though. UTSA did lose their offensive coordinator. Okay, Will Stein is heading off to Oregon. So – I don't know what's going on in this game as far as calling the plays and coaching. I haven't, you know, I, I, I didn't really seen anything. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen Will Stein coaching this game? Or, I haven't or, seen. Or no, I don't out? know. I don't know. Um, it's so, a good question. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, well, he's going. He, I mean, I know he's going to Oregon, but I haven't seen anything about if you if he's going to call this game right now. That's a concern that I have. Okay. But Frank Harris is so dangerous and can score that. I think it's too good getting points with this UTSA team. I, I understand Troy's defense. I get it. I think UTSA can score on anybody. Uh, and seeing, you know, getting it's a short plus two. I'll take the points with UTSA in this game. Although Troy does have the eighth best scoring defense in the country. They're legit. It's the best G5 defense in the country. Yeah, it, it is. So I guess Tulane you could make an argument for, but mm-hmm. it's a short list. My, my lean would be just taking the points with UTSA. I think I think I got the best player on the field in this game in Frank Harris, and he makes all the difference. All right, let's move to Boston for the Fenway Bowl where... Well, congratulations. It's going to be played because they've tried it for three years and it hasn't been played. The inaugural Fenway Bowl. <laughs> From three years ago. In the third year of existence. Yeah, once, uh, actually twice now, twice washed COVID, out for yeah. COVID. Once overall COVID and then once for one uh, one team last year. Um, but this is a weird game. Louisville minus one and a half against Cincinnati. Total 41. AJ, this is the weirdest game in the entire bowl season. It's, it all starts with Scott Satterfield. Yeah, Scott Satterfield's going to be the Cincinnati head coach. So he's the, the Louisville head coach is going to be the Cincinnati head coach. Jeff Brom's taking over Louisville. Dion Branch, former Patriots wide receiver, is going to be coaching Louisville in this game. Special teams coach Kerry Coombs is coaching Cincinnati in this game. What is what is going on? I, it's it's a very weird situation, <laughs> and I wonder like where do you draw the line if you're Scott Satterfield between sharing what you know, your scouting report, you stay out of it, and having some loyalty, nope. like some sort of moral code. Uh-uh. You're done. That's it. You are you are just you sit in the stands and you watch the game. I think that's the move. But I don't I, everybody's got a different opinion on these things. So uh Louisville's gonna be without Malik Cunningham, no surprise. It's not just Malik Cunningham. They're also though. without Tyon Edwards. Oh yeah. And they're without Tyler Hudson, their know, top receiver. Oh yeah. And they face a defense that led the AAC in scoring defense. Uh-huh. That is not gonna be an easy task. The other offense not much prettier. Nope. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to the passing game in the second half of the season for Cincy, but it's in pretty bad shape. There's going to be no Ben Bryant in this game. Evan Prater looked literally lost against Tulane. Uh, with all the coaching flux and the opt-outs, I don't have a strong feel on the side either way. Unders, I guess I'd lean to Louisville, uh, but since he's most vulnerable against the run on defense, it looks like it's going to be ugly weather in, in Boston, which makes me think there's plenty of handoffs. So I guess if I had forced play on this, it'd be Louisville minus one and a half and under 41. My lean is the under. It's all about Cincinnati's defense and just the lack of offense from Malik Cunningham without uh, for, for Louisville without Malik Cunningham. They're a completely different team. With They're without their top offensive players. They're without their coach. It's just there's too much going on for this team to be successful. 
successful in this game. And it, it, the rest of the opt-outs, Josh Wiley, tight end for Cincinnati, Jake Renfro, offensive lineman, uh, J.K. Uh, Hardaway, cornerback, Luke, Luke Richardson, backup quarterback. And then for Louisville, Trivion Cooley, a running back, Jalen Mitchell, and Derek Edwards, a cornerback. So those are all transfer portal guys in addition to – the players that are not playing to get ready for the draft in Cunningham and Evans and Hudson. Yeah. You can't handicap this game as if these were the two teams that no, played in the regular no. season. The only so, way I look in this game is I think we have a low scoring affair at Fenway. I, I tend to agree with that. So, and I, not a game I'm totally thrilled about watching either. I just want to see what the field looks like at Fenway. Yeah. That's that's the only thing. All right, let's go to Albuquerque for the New Mexico bowl where SMU is a five and a half point favorite against BYU. Been a big line shift because uh, BYU quarterback Jalen Hall has not practiced since the Stanford game. He's dealing with an ankle injury, so if he plays, it will be a surprise, I think. Though they haven't announced him out yet either. I mean, all the line move would tell you he's out, but their coach has been very tight-lipped about whether he's going to play. He hasn't practiced. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to rule him out of play, and he's a tough kid. I I have him listed on my out. Okay. Well, you've then you've gone further than the BYU. Coaching I, I staff. know, but I have like when I'm listed. I I, I listed uh, um, their running back Lapini Katoa, mm-hmm. who's uh, in, injured. Um, an offensive lineman, Campbell Barrington, is in the transfer portal, and I wrote Jaron Hall's not playing for injury. It, Hall's taken all but three snaps this season, and their backup quarterback is in the portal. So it would yeah. be Cade Finnegan, who has not played uh, college football since 2020. That's not good. But SMU is going to be without Rasheed Rice, who is Tanner Mordecai's favorite target. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised Tanner Mordecai is playing. But Rice is pretty key for an offense that needs to get a comfortable lead because their defense is one of the worst in the country. Uh, SMU is a – they're a fun team to watch. They're Mm -hmm. not a fun team to bet because they can have a big lead and burn it up in a hurry. And quite honestly, I don't know how good Hall is. I think we're probably getting close to overreaction territory on that news. And like I said, there's still the slightest possibility that he does play. I think the game's going to end up being a stay away for me unless this pushes all the way to seven. And and then I'd probably take a position on BYU at that point. But even a lean here, I'm going to go five and a half on BYU. SMU's offense is all about rhythm. Now they're going to be missing their best wide receiver. They've had a good time off. Those types of offenses, when there's a good chunk of time off, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to stay in their rhythm. So it'd be, be BYU and the under for me, forced plays. The under is the lean for me. Uh, that's what I'm looking at here. Um, you know, what if Tanner Mordecai decides not to play in this game? What if Tanner Mordecai plays only a half, the first half. half in this game? He's. I've been reading reports about him looking forward to the draft and, and uh, what what's his draft profile going to look like. and. Sometimes I just think when it comes with a quarterback that's entering the draft, and I'm not saying he's going to be a top-drafted quarterback, but maybe he only plays the first half in this game. You get out there, you don't opt out, you play with your team, you, you be a good team guy, but you're only playing a half, and then you're just taking it easy, especially without Rasheed Rice, who has 96 catches for 1,355 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. The total dropped already by six points. And I think it might even drop further. The under is the the only way I look in this game. Another thing to think about when you're thinking about this total or if you're considering playing SMU is BYU plays at elevation. This game's going to be played at 5,300 feet. When you play a go, go, go offense, mm-hmm. 
you can only go, go, go for so long when you're not used to it. SMU's not used to it. BYU is. I think that gives BYU a bit of an edge uh, as far as home field goals. I'm, and I'm guessing BYU has a crowd edge there in New Mexico I'm as sure well. I'm travel, yeah. So, uh, all right, let's look at the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, the L.A. Bowl. Fresno State, my guys, minus three against Washington State. Total in this one, 54 and a half. What do you think? So, I wrote down one thing uh, on my handicap list for this game, and I think you'll appreciate it. I wrote, Jake Hayner is him. Jake Hayner is, is him. him. Jake Hayner is like <laughs> a legit NFL prospect yeah. who has no business playing in this no game. Business. I didn't think he was going to play in this game. Like, I, I have the similar Which, fears that I have with anybody that's going to the NFL. I think this could be a first half only participation. I'm so mad because mm-hmm. this game opened Fresno plus four. Yeah. And I said, eh, I guess that seems about fair with that mm-hmm. with no Jake Hayner. Then he announced he's going to play. He says, I'm going to play. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, how, I miss getting this team as an underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's what you need to know. The Pac-12 is horrible in bowl games. Yes. The Pac-12 is 27 and 37 ATS the last decade in bowl games. That's the least profitable conference in all of FBS. They have not won a bowl game. Since Oregon beat Wisconsin January 1st of 2020, the Pac-12 has lost seven straight bowl games, straight up. That's wild. But Cam Ward is electric. You want to talk about Jake Hayner, this dude's a dual threat for Washington State. Um, He is, but guess what? Without three of his top four wide receivers, yes, uh, they all opt out. The, basically, the entire receiving core, a good piece of their secondary opts out. Most of their linebacking core is opted out, and... Their defensive coordinator is gone. So <laughs> a lot of not much. I, to me, this boils. This game is simple. Fresno's on a mission. They're trying to prove they would have been able to make some noise had they stayed healthy this year. Yeah. The fact that Hayner is playing tells me Fresno is all in on this game. What I just listed off about Wazoo tells me they are not all in on this game. Yeah. Fresno's the side here. It's Fresno, and I like the over 54 and a half. The lean for me is Fresno, and I'm going to fade Pac-12 teams a lot. All right, let's go to the Lending Tree Bowl. Southern Miss, six and a half point favorites at the Rice Owls. Southern Miss beat Tulane this year. Uh huh. How did that happen? Southern Miss <laughs> is an enigma because they are, if you just look at their record, you think, oh, Southern Miss stinks. And but, a lot of the times they do, mm-hmm. but they have a ton of talent. Yeah, they are experienced. Uh, they're well coached. They're and very when everything, good defensively. When everything is right for them, they're really good. Mm-hmm. It's just that all. I mean, they've played I think five quarterbacks, six quarterbacks this season. Uh, it's hard to find any kind of rhythm when you're doing that. It feels like they're settled in right now. Trey Lowe has at least given them a chance the last few games. They're really good on defense. And they've got a great running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rice just doesn't have the talent, in my opinion, to hang in this game. It looks like Frank Gore is going to play. And there's not any answers for him yep. from Rice. Uh, so, it, it, there's a pretty big defensive edge here. Yes. Uh, Rice has struggled to score late in the season. 11 points per game in their last three games, all losses. I think what you just said, Southern Miss is undervalued mm-hmm. based on season-long metrics. Correct. When they were dealing with tons of injuries. Right now, they're healthy. They have way more talent, and I expect them to finish strong. This is one of the few plays 
during bowl season where motivation isn't a big edge. Mm-hmm. I think Rice is excited to beat Rice. Has no business being up. They're a five they're, and seven like, team. They're excited to get the, that gift they're, swag. They're in a bowl bat. game because they're smart. Yes. Like it, their little academic mm-hmm. reasons is re- literally why they went to this bowl game. So uh, I'm, I'm going to nominate this as a best bet candidate, Southern Miss, uh, six and a half. Their defense, 14th in success rate in the country. Ridiculous. Against. That's, like, that's really good. And Rice has not scored since. T.J. McMahon went down with an injury. They have scored just 24 points in their last two games, and they averaged only 4.6 yards per play. Their defense is terrible. They won't be able to stop Frank Gore. I I, I think this is a best bet candidate, Southern Miss. Okay. I don't disagree. Uh, The Las Vegas Bowl, Oregon State now 10-point favorites against Florida. Fade the Pac-12. I'll keep this simple. I'm. I, I, yes, I agree. I know, but Florida's there's this no game, one playing. This game opened at five, <laughs> and is now ten. And I get Florida's got a lot of opt outs. I liked Oregon State at five. Mm-hmm. At ten, there's no way I'm going to lay ten points with Oregon State against an SEC team. Yeah, I just so, I'm not going to do it. Here's the the positives for Oregon State. They were one of the most profitable ATS teams during the season. They had the second highest cover rate. In college football, they were ten and two ATS this season. They just—that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, they also ranked twentieth in fewest rushing yards allowed per game, and they face a Florida team that is probably going to run the ball because they don't have a quarterback. Um, you want to look at the, all the Florida players that are missing this game? It's Anthony Richardson. It's a long list. It's a long list, but it all starts with Anthony Richardson, right? That's he's the biggest player that's not playing in this game. Uh, Chance Nolan, Oregon State, not playing quarterback, not playing in this game. Also, he's in the transfer portal. Uh, same thing with um, Luke Musgrave, a tight end. Ron Harge, the cornerback. And, yeah, the, the Florida list is even longer. That being said, Florida recruits better than Oregon State. What Florida is going to do with this bowl game is use this as an opportunity. And this is what coaches do. You use the bowl games as an opportunity to get a jump start on next season. You want to see what you have for next season, which means you play a lot of underclassmen. You play a lot of second string guys. You give guys a chance. You, I think even though Florida has their top guys out, you are going to see players for Florida that are going to be fighting for their job, not their jobs, well, yeah, with NIL, but for their positions for next season. You understand that? Like, yeah. like so Billy Napier is going to look at what he has, because it was a down year for Florida. And I'm telling you, next year is going to be a better year, because it just, the teams like Florida don't have consecutive sucky years. They bounce back. They, they recruit extremely well. I, I think you're going to get an inspired effort from some of the maybe lesser known players for Florida. They're going to cover this game, and don't be surprised if they win it outright. I'm with you here. Florida's quarterback is going to be Jack Miller. You mentioned Anthony Richardson out. Uh, You may have heard uh, some unfortunate news that will keep their backup quarterback, Jalen Kitna, out of this game. Yeah, Uh, about that. (laughs) But the truth is, Jack Miller was – he's an Ohio State transfer. He was supposed to be the backup quarterback coming into this season, and he had a thumb injury and ended up having to have surgery. So I, they thought he was the second-best quarterback on this team to begin with. Mm-hmm. He's finally getting a chance. 
I don't imagine that Ohio State's recruiting a lot of guys who can't play. Um, and I expect him to have a good game. Uh, you know, they are going to be without a couple of offensive linemen. Um, they're going to be without a receiver, Justin Shorter. They're going to be without a linebacker. But I, I do think that what you said holds true. The rest of these Gators, want, they want to prove that this season was, it was a fluke. Everyone is counting them out. The line tells you everyone is counting mm-hmm. them out. Uh, let's face I'm going to tell you just honestly, Anthony Richardson, as many times as he helped the, the Gators win games they shouldn't have won, he lost them games they shouldn't have lost as well. Like Anthony Richardson has, it was a very roller coastery player. This isn't like uh, C.J. Stroud opting out of a bowl game or Bryce Young opting. Like this was a guy who had some ups and downs this year. Yep. So, uh, and, and if you go back, ten to, points is absurd. Yeah, and go back to I guess a year ago. So like you take a, take a look at some of the maybe freshmen or redshirt guys that that might be playing in this game for Florida. That was a recruiting class that was 18th in the country. Yeah, Oregon State the same year was like 55th. Yeah. So uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be Florida will have talent on the field and they will have talent that will play hard as opposed to maybe just ending the season. All right. Let's look at the Frisco bowl, Boise state minus 10 and a half against North Texas, 58 and a half total. And North Texas falls into that category of coaching question mark. Mm. Uh, they fired Seth Luttrell despite making a bowl game in six of his seven years and playing in the conference championship this year. North Texas was like, you know what? That's below our standards. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, and Boise, on the other hand, after a 2-2 two and two start to the season, they really turned it on. They finished winning seven of the last nine. Hank Bachmeyer was gone, and boom, Boise got good. Yeah, uh, Dirk Cutter's kid had been playing on Boise State, and... He called him and said, Dad, we just fired our OC. Can you come help out? Dirk's like, all right, I guess so. I don't know what they're going to do at OC next year. Mm -hmm. I know Dirk Cutter's not going to come back and be the OC, but he is going to be there for this game. I think they're excited to be in this game. Uh, This is a program that's used to playing in a bowl every year. They've played in one bowl game in the last four years. They lost two to COVID. One to lightning. <laughs> like most of these guys haven't played in a bowl game. So th- yeah. this team is going to be focused and motivated. Uh, and, and really, this boils down to the difference between these two teams because North Texas is good on offense, but North Texas is bad on D. I mean, mm-hmm. bad, bad. They, they, Boise's great on D, outstanding pass D, solid run D. The Mean Green, bottom 25 nationally in pass and run defense. They are going to struggle. Uh, this this feels like a game where Boise, who I do think is motivated, can kind of name their number. I like Boise minus 10.5. I like the over 58.5. Those are both my leans, Boise and the over. Since Dirk Cutter took over, Boise went from averaging 22 points per game to averaging 32.2 points per game in their last nine games. Um, they scored 40 points on four different uh, opponents this year under Dirk Cutter. And Taylor Green, man, this kid is developing as a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, 10 to 0 touchdown to interception ratio over his last five starts. Boise's, the only thing that worries me about the over is that Boise's defense is really good. But they've never faced an offense like this. I mean, North Texas, they 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 rank 29th in the nation in scoring, right? Almost 34 points per game. They average 464 yards per game. They have one of the best run games in the country. And 
They're going to be coached by um, their defensive coordinator, Phil Bennett. Don't know what that means for, for their offense, but I still think they'll be okay as far as, you know, trying to challenge Boise State. But, yes, I lean Boise. I lean the over. I think Taylor Green might be the most more talented than certainly 29-year-old Austin Ani. But Ani is going to throw the ball over the field. I promise you that. So I do think points will be scored. It's funny you say that they haven't seen an offense like this. I think they did in their last game against Fresno in the Mountain West Championship game, and they put up 28 on them. Mm. If, if we can get 28 out of Boise – then this thing shoots over, uh, in my opinion. All right, let's look at the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Marshall, 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 minus 10 against the Yukon Huskies in a bowl game, a real live bowl game. Total is 41. And listen, this isn't one where I can say there's a, a, a motivation discrepancy. I don't think there is one. I think Yukon is so excited to play in this bowl game. I think it's just they're massively over over in over their heads here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, most of UConn wins are games where they are have been generally outplayed, uh, and they won the turnover battle. They've been outgained by eighty five yards per game. Teams that are outgained by close to hundred yards usually don't make ball games. Uh, Marshall is a game is a team whose stats are better than their record. You know they they outgain their opponents by over a hundred yards per game, mm-hmm. and. I think UConn's like UConn's offense has been pretty bad all year. Marshall's one of the better G five defenses in the country. As much as I like Mora, and I do, this t- turnaround's unbelievable. I just can't find a way to back them. I think they struggle to get anything going on offense. This is the worst D one team in my power ratings. The herd has played since week three against Bowling Green. So for the Marshall defense, this is going to be like, oh boy. Look what we've got. Yeah. So I like UConn. I, I can't I can't find a way to back them here. Uh, my leans would be Marshall minus 10 and the under. My favorite play on this is probably going to be UConn team total under mm-hmm. just because I, I don't see how they put up points against this D. So I'm on the under. Um Nathan Carter is also not playing. He's one of the running backs for UConn. So I don't know how UConn scores uh, a lot. I mean, he's not the guy that they're relying on there for their offense, but he certainly gets a ton of carries for them. UConn managed just under 20 points per game this season, and Marshall only gives up about 16 points per game. The under, though, is the reason, uh, the lean, and the reason is, is because the over has just, has, has only hit in three of 12 games for Marshall. They are an under team. And also, the under is 7-4-1 in UConn games. These are two under teams. Uh, I, I think that UConn's going to have trouble scoring. I think the under can hit in a, in a multitude of ways. I think it could hit where it's just a low-scoring game overall between both teams. I think it can also hit where it's a Marshall blowout. And UConn just doesn't score. Like you can get like a thirty to to three game or something yeah. like that, and it goes under that way. So I think you have two outs as far as the uh, the under goes. But yeah, Marshall and the under would be the leans. All right, let's look at the Potato Bowl. My favorite bowl is the Potato Bowl. I think actually it's not. They played on the blue field. Some people think that's exciting. I hate watching games on that blue field. I don't know about you. Might be. Uh, what's worse is watching it on the gray field, the Eastern Michigan. I don't like that either. Um, it looks like it looks like there's something wrong with your TV. Yeah. Uh, San Jose State, three and a half point favorites against Eastern Michigan. Total of fifty four. 
And this feels like tough sledding for Eastern Michigan, who is going up against a San Jose State defense that allows under 21 points per game. Yeah. Eastern Michigan is an offense that really needs to get going with the run to have success. Spartans allow 3.3 yards per carry. That would be good for 11th in the country. They are very good stopping the run. And these two teams playing different down the stretch. EMU's won four of five. They've won six of eight. They also don't have a win all season against a bowl-eligible team. That's not good. <laughs> so, Chevon uh, Cordero is going to be motivated for San Jose. Remember, he didn't get to play in a bowl game last season when Hawaii's entire team basically quit on yep. their coach. Uh, I don't love that San Jose lost two of their last three, but they played the much tougher schedule. And without major opt-outs, I just, I just think they're the much better team here. Lean to San Jose State. Like under 54. Like the under, Eastern Michigan 6-2 and two to the under in their final eight games. Uh, but they're not good against the rush. And I think that if San Jose State wants to win this game, they're going to have to run the football because they, they can certainly run it on this uh, rushing defense. It's not good. Um, a, the one concern I have for San Jose State is that they're not good on the road. So away from home... They've lost five of six this season, 10 of 13 overall since their last bowl game appearance two years ago. So they got to be better on the road. Uh, I know it's a neutral site game, but it's still packing your yeah. stuff and getting on the road and playing a football game and doing your business. Um, but to me, it's it's about Cordero, who has thrown 13 touchdowns over the last five games for San Jose State. He's the best player on the football field in this game. I go San Jose State. All right, let's look. Is it Boca Raton Bowl or Boca Raton Bowl? I ask this question Raton. every year. I don't know. Boca, Boca Raton. Raton. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go with that until next year, and then we hear it's something else. I don't know. This is the grossest game on the board for me this week. Toledo minus five against Liberty Bibbity. Who's playing quarterback for Liberty? I have no idea. They have. There's been a coaching change and QB carousel to end the season. <laughs> I, I, they're keeping everything under wraps. Their offense is disgusting right now. If Listen, this game is all – and you know I've said this when Toledo played in the, PAC, or in the MAC championship. I said, I wish that I could back Ohio. If Rourke were healthy, they, this would be a smash spot. Mm-hmm. Toledo has no business winning the MAC. Of course they don't. Um, I hate both these teams, but all you have to know is – Liberty lost by five touchdowns to New Mexico State to end the season. Toledo won the MAC. One of these teams is still trying. One of these teams has quit. Their coach left. Mm-hmm. I think Chadwell's a good a good hire, but it doesn't do him any good here and now. Nope. Uh, Daquan Finn was banged up in that game, the last game. I don't think he's a hundred percent here, but they did run the ball well in that matchup. Liberty's been chewed up on the ground in this three-game losing streak. As much as I hate him. I think Toledo's the much more interested side here. Yes. They're the only way I can look. Toledo minus five, under 54 and a half. I think offense is hard to come by in this game. I agree. I, I can't touch Liberty because, I like I asked you, I have no idea who's playing quarterback. I don't know game. if they know who's playing quarterback. I don't think they might. They might not have a quarterback in this game. Just go Wildcat. Like, literally, I don't know who's playing quarterback. They, you said it. They might not know. They've shuffled things around. The coaching situation is a mess. I don't think these players are going to be motivated at all 
to play in this game. I, I think it's a mail-in effort for Liberty. They'll collect their bowl swag. They'll enjoy a trip down from Virginia going to uh, Florida. And uh, I, I think under as well because I do think Toledo gets out of the cold of Ohio and enjoys being in Florida for a couple of days. So Toledo in the under for me. All right. Sounds like we're in agreement on on a lot this week, actually, which is funny because we didn't discuss any of these games before we no. uh, we jumped on the pod, which is uh, it's always on my fun. Screen. You can see. Lean, uh, I'm not. Lean, listen, lean, I agree with you. Lean, lean. Uh, all right. We've got to come up with a best bet, though. I think and, it's Southern Miss. Okay. Is there any of these totals that you want to sit, you want to put our stamp on as well? I think having a side and a total is good. I agree on Southern Miss. On uh, Under Cincinnati, or is it too low? I think it's too low. Okay. Um, what about under Marshall, UConn? Under 41. It's the same total as it is in Cincinnati. <laughs> well, it's Cincinnati, Cincinnati and Louisville have <laughs> yeah. NFL caliber players. No, uh, you know. I, I know. I, 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 I'll go at Marshall UConn under because, like I said, there's multiple ways I think you can hit this under. Both teams could just not score, or you could have Marshall win in a blowout and UConn doesn't score at all. Or, you know what? It's either that or the, uh, the San Jose State under, which, again, like you said, it. it if San Jose State's offense is dead because they're playing on the road, I think it's real easy to get to the under there. So either one of those is fine with me. I, I'll let you be the, the final decision on which one we put our stamp on as best bet. Mm, let's – it's like I'd rather take the 54-and-a-half in a game than 41, but I, I don't think UConn scores. Okay. So there you go. UConn – uh, that Marshall under like 41. Cordero, Cordero could throw like four touchdowns I agree. this game. UConn Marshall under 41 and Southern Miss minus six and a half. Those bet, are yeah, the best, best bet. bets. Southern, Southern Miss is the best bet. All right, before we get out of here, uh, I do first, we got two, two things of business to take care of. One, I want to give you guys some, some savings. 23% off for listeners of this college football podcast. Good until the next college football pod drops, which will be next Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Bowl23 is the coupon code. Go to pregame.com. Type in that code BOWL23 at checkout and get 23% off any package. That could be uh, a season-long or the bowl season-long package for either myself or Scott. Scott's hockey's killing it. My college hoops is killing it. McKenzie, the best NBA handicapper in the world as far as I'm concerned. You can get any of our stuff for 23% off by using that promo code BOWL23 at checkout. I do want to mention and, and you know say a, a little something about Mike Leach, who passed today, the day that we're recording this podcast. Uh, I tweeted out this story, but I'll, I'll tell it here as well. Uh, I was probably in my first year of radio, and I had an interview with Mike Leach in studio, and I was doing, I was an idiot kid first of all, and I did a lot of uh, a lot of dumb things on the radio, and I asked Mike Leach a bunch of dumb questions. I asked him a, a bunch of. Uh, questions about like if if they threw the tortillas on the field have you ever considered making a taco during the game and like <laughs> he deadpanned me the entire the entire interview like nothing I said was funny and then at the end of the thing I I was expecting him to just be like you're an idiot I'm never going to do anything with this station again and he looked at me and said how long have you been doing this I told him I, l- less than a year and he said that was a great interview you did a really huh. good job. He's like, uh, it's so much better than answering the same old boring questions. Keep at it, kid. Uh, and just, uh, uh, he's a weird guy. He was a very, very odd person. Yeah. 
but he was a very unique and um, a genuine person as well. So, uh, Coach Lee, and probably one of the greatest characters in college football. Yes. Uh, loved uh, Pirates, uh, loved uh, the history of Pirates. He collected, like, uh, paraphernalia, like old swords that, mm-hmm. you know, like um, shipwreck stuff that was found he would buy and, and collect. Um, and, and I remember times that we had him on radio shows and, and we talked to him about literally pirate stuff. And he would say, oh, you know, I watched a great documentary the other day and, and to tell us about a story, a documentary that he watched or some some piece of uh, shipwreck stuff that he recently acquired. And he was he was a character. He really was. And, and of course, I'll never forget his cameo in Friday Night Lights yeah. when he told Coach Eric Taylor that he lost his inner pirate and then he has to swing his sword from side to side. Yeah. Uh, I was mad at Mike Leach for about a year. Uh, last bowl season, one of my favorite plays was Mississippi State against Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And when the game got to game day, Mike Leach, basically he, he, his entire team had COVID. And it was like, oh, none of our guys are playing. And they got absolutely wrecked. And he didn't owe it to me to tell me that his entire team wasn't going to play. But I feel like he kind of did owe it to me. And uh, I was mad at him about it. But now that he's gone, I'm going to let it go. Uh, he will be missed. Good guy, good coach. Uh, big shoes to fill for whoever goes to Mississippi State. All right, that is going to do it for the pod. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Again, like I said, we'll be back next Tuesday night. Those games will cover you through Tuesday, Wednesday morning when you get up and there's more bowl games. Guess what? Our pod will be waiting there for you to get you through the next week of bowl games. So enjoy this week of bowl games and good luck. Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We got out block them. We got out tackle them. We got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.